And Joab was told, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And, for that day, and on that day, for the whole army, the victory was turned into mourning, because on that day the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day as men steal and who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, O oh my son, Absalom, O oh Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went into the house to the king and said, Today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come upon you from your youth until now. So the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. Today will last through the month of July, the rest of the month of July, on how to deal with difficult people. Now, all of us have to deal with difficult people at some point in our lives. Either that, or maybe it's both and, we are the difficult people that somebody else has to deal with. Um, what, you know, I believe the Bible is the Word of God, and it is the best textbook on interpersonal relationships. It is the textbook of anthropology. It is the textbook of psychology, that is the study of the soul of man. And the Bible gives the best explanation of how to deal with difficult people. Now, I'm going to begin the series with talking about criticism, how to deal with criticism. After 49 years in the ministry, taught out to be a specialist in how to deal with criticism. Ministers, perhaps above everyone else, have to deal with criticism. It's like we have 300 bosses and we try to please them all. In fact, Robert Francis, who was my best friend, a mentor in many ways, said from the pulpit, I can't believe he said this from the pulpit, but he did. He said, criticism is like being pecked to death by chickens. Now, do you... Do you get a mental image in your mind when, when he says that? And for that reason, by the way, I won't be calling any names this week. Uh, I'm going to resist the urge because somebody might think that I'm calling out the critics in the crowd, and that's not the case at all. But also, these sessions on how to deal with difficult people are going to be used as a part of my mentoring of other pastors, uh, preachers, missionaries. Um, it, there's an explanation of that in the Connections magazine if you want to know why I'm, I'm doing this. The, the thing is, I will confess to you that I've always had trouble accepting criticism. And Robert, I loved Robert. He was my best friend. But Robert would say to you honestly, he said, I have an overactive guilt gland. Now what that means is, no, that's not really a thing, but what that means is, Robert admitted that he was a people pleaser, and it really killed him. I mean, from the inside out, 
when people were not happy with him and would criticize him. But every leader has to learn how to accept criticism. And listen to me. Every church deserves a pastor who does not just follow the whims and the wishes of the crowd, but who is a leader. Every church deserves that kind of pastor. I know when I was serving as the principal of the high school and the middle school in St. Petersburg, Russia, I got into a situation where we were enforcing some boundaries with teachers and with parents. And I mean, I caught flack for that because I was the principal. And Tammy Plaster, who was head of the school, gave me a quote. I don't know where she got this, but it resonated with me. She said, that, Lynn, is the price of leadership. If you are going to be a leader, if you're going to be a teacher, if you're going to be a servant, if you're going to love and serve others, you will be criticized. It's the price that you pay for leadership. But one of the best things that ever happened to me in the book that we adopted for our mentoring, so this Todd and Jenny went through this, others have gone through this. Somewhere in that book, the authors said, criticism is a gift we would not give ourselves. Now think about that. It's a gift from someone else. They've seen something that we do not see. We don't see it, and if we did, we wouldn't admit it. And so it is a gift we would not give ourselves. That has transformed my ability to accept criticism. Now that does not mean that I'm asking for it. You understand. Um, I, I am saying if you have criticism, I will, look at, I will listen to it, and I will look at it as a gift, and thank you for being open with it, and I will consider what you have to say, and I'm a little better able to receive that now than I, I've ever been before. Now, okay, let's get honest with ourselves. How many of you have trouble accepting criticism? The rest of you are being untruthful. <laughs> we all need it, right? This is a sermon, this is a message that we need, and I believe in practical preaching. And I want us to be clear about criticism. And I guess you can figure out from the way I've written it, that means that my outline is C-L-E-A-R. I want to be clear about criticism. Now, I chose the text, the passage for the sermon because it is, a, it is an example of a godly man, David, a man after God's own heart, receiving some very harsh criticism. I mean, not just criticism, rebuke. And yet, he received it because of who it was, and he did what was advised by the critic. So clear means we need to consider the source. 
Consider the source. It was Joab, David's general. Now, I would normally say David's friend, but someone else had that title. In fact, not only Jonathan, uh, but there's another guy, and you can look that up, who was called David's friend. But Joab was David's general. He was militarily his right-hand man. Now, there is also something going else, and I'll try to remember to mention that in, in a minute. But he considered the source. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That is, it's fake. It's fake. Is it real friendship? And is the criticism coming from somebody who really has your best interest at heart? Notice, ignore. What that means is you uh, ignore anonymous criticism. Uh, Nehemiah is a good example of this also. If anybody knew criticism and opposition, Nehemiah knew criticism and opposition. And someone said to him, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true. That's, that's smoke. That's rumors. You ignore anonymous criticism. You, I would say, Anonymous letters always go in the trash. So if you've written an anonymous letter and sent it to someone on staff, I can tell you where it went. And if you send one and you don't sign it, you don't tell me who you are, you are wasting your time and mine. You ignore, and I would advise all of you that. You get an anonymous letter Ignore it. If they're not brave enough, if they don't care enough about themselves and about you to let you know who they are, throw it away. In fact, the best practice is look for the signature, and if there is no signature, just throw it away. Now, it could be that it was an overdue electric bill, but <laughs> consider the source, okay? And by the way, when somebody says, Everyone is saying that. That's anonymous criticism. Do you realize that? They're not owning it. Everybody is saying that. And the thing to ask is, who is saying it? it it's it's got to have a name. Somebody's got to own it. Otherwise, it's not, it is anonymous and it is worthless advice. It has zero value. Who is saying it? In fact, you might also need to say, are you sure that it's not you who is saying this? That'll either make them take the next step and admit, yeah, that's what I think too. Then you consider friend or foe. Are they, is this for my good? Is it good for the kingdom? Friend or foe? Who is saying it? Uh, by the way, that's all for, also from Nehemiah. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your own head. It's okay to say that, by the way. Shelly's putting up her camera. Did you get it or can I go on now? <laughs> Pay attention to faithful friends. 
You, did you notice what the verse said? Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Pay attention to faithful friends, people who care about you, people who have earned your ear, people who are trying honestly to help you. Now, if you come to me and it doesn't matter how much you love me and you say, I don't like your hair, I'm going to say, join the crowd. I don't like it either. I, I miss the curls that I used to have. Yes, I used to have curls right there, right there. Pay attention to faithful friends and do not ignore your foes. Because sometimes your friend loves you too much to tell you the truth. That suit looks awful. You preach too long. Don't go there. <laughs> you step on my toes. Amen. They may tell you the truth when your friend won't. By the way, I didn't have time to go here. Look up the story from my preacher friends. Look up the story of David and Shimei. When David said, maybe God has told him to curse me. Sometimes your enemy tells you things that your friends will not. But listen, always make sure you have someone to whom you will listen. Always make sure you have someone who is allowed to confront you, allowed to rebuke you, allowed. Walter came to me sometime back and said, now I know you're going to do what you want to do. Do you know what? That got my attention. Does he think that I won't listen to him? And I did. He told me, Walter's a friend. We pick at each other, but Walter's a friend. And he is a faithful friend. Walter has my back. If nobody else besides him, he and Shelley have my back. Walter has my back. And he has the right to my ear. Todd is my best friend. And Todd has the right to my ear. Now he's careful, he's kind. But he has the right to my ear. We were dealing with an issue at the ABA and something we really needed to take care of. And I asked the question, who can talk to that brother and he will listen? Somebody said, no one. Listen, if that's true of you, you're in trouble. Who do you listen to? Who is close enough to you that they can give you constructive criticism. Now, I had a preacher say, there is no such thing as constructive criticism. Did you ever read that verse? Wounds of a, of a friend can be trusted. There is such a thing as constructive criticism. And you better make sure, all of you, I'm not just preaching to preachers, okay? You better make sure somebody has the right to have your ear. That's the C. Consider the source. And then L. Listen respectfully. 
Proverbs says, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. That, that verse, I'm not going to do it, but that verse needs to be read aloud about five times. That is a powerful verse from the wisdom of the Proverbs. Listen respectfully. I meant to put it up here. I don't know how many of you have seen our staff culture list of ten things, but I can tell you that one of the items that I have been teaching for two and a half years now to our church staff is that no matter how people talk to you, you speak to them with respect. You speak to them with respect. When somebody comes with, with criticism, even if they're angry, you still respect them. Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, wait a minute. Who doesn't have ears? Those who refuse to listen. Your ears are stuck on the side of your head, but they're good for nothing. Because every time your wife speaks, I mean... My hearing aids came without an off button. And I can't get away with that anymore. He who has ears, let them hear. Are you listening? It's, everybody has ears. The question is, are you willing to listen to people or not? And listen, sometimes people just want to be heard. They don't necessarily mean for you to do anything about it. There have been times that Brenda has said things to me, and I've ha had to say, Darling, I cannot change the laws of physics. Well, she doesn't expect me to change the laws of physics or fix them. By the way, husbands, I joked about not listening to your wives. The truth is, many times your wife just wants you to listen. They don't expect you... I get amens at the most unusual places. <laughs> they don't expect you to do anything. They just want you to listen. And the leader who deafens his ears to the voices of his people, no, that's not how we lead. But Tom Rainer has very, said very well, you have to be careful that you don't, that you do not get so far ahead of your congregation that you are mistaken for the enemy and shot in the back. Mull that one over for a moment. You have to listen to your people. Listen. By the way, watch your body language. I said I wasn't going to call any names. But there are people in this crowd who telegraph their feelings from a mile away. Their thoughts project from their faces. I mean, if somebody's, I'm trying not to call names, that's, 
that's my habit and I, and I love to reach out and make a connection in the crowd. I'm not going to do it today. But when you, somebody says something to you and you're like this, watch your body language. Make sure that you can have a poker face. You know how you do that? You value what they're saying as a gift you would not give yourself. And you say to yourself, I really need to listen to this. They may tell me something that nobody else will. That's how you handle criticism. You listen. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. I didn't say that. The Bible did. You don't like that? Take it up with God. That's godly wisdom. Watch your body language and hold your response. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone. Now listen, this sermon's not just for preachers. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Hold your response. You're not listening when you're talking. You know that? You're not listening when you're talking. By the way, you're not listening, not really listening, if you're thinking about how you're going to answer them. I recommend this. I recommend that when someone is talking to you, they're making a complaint, a criticism, a suggestion, or just a request. I would rather that do this. While they're talking, listen to what they have to say, and then stop and ask God, Lord, what do you want to say to me about this? Are you using them to tell me what I need to hear? Lord, what do you want to say? By the way, that is the next part of clear. It's E, evaluate the criticism. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You see, there is a pause in this. Quick to listen, pause, and slow to speak. You hold your speech, but then there's another pause where you stop and you evaluate what has been said. What do you mean evaluate the criticism? Is it gossip? A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. In a book that staff's reading right now, there is an occasion where one of the lieutenant generals came to the general during the, the, the Civil War, and the general was rebuking his lieutenant general, and he, he said, you did not respond and you did not communicate. And that is the report that has been given. This is a specific report about you. And the lieutenant general wanted to argue and say, I demand to know 
who it was that made that report. How many officers? What are their names? We're going to investigate that. And the general wisely said, we don't have time for that. That's a lesson. We don't have time for that. Listen, our job, our calling, our ministry has a priority and a deadline. And we don't have time to chase down the culprits nor the gossips. By the way, gossips like smoke. You cannot grasp it. And until it becomes a full-blown fire, you can't find the source. Ignore gossip. So you evaluate. Is it valid? Instead, speaking the truth in love. Now, one of my great fears is that you will take this as an invitation to criticize me, every single one of you, and I will feel like Robert when it's done. But I give you the right to speak the truth to me if you do it in love. Make sure it's for my benefit. Make sure it's for the kingdom's benefit. But speaking the truth in love, if it's simply not true, then you, it requires no action. Somebody's nodding. Would you agree with that? If it's simply not true, it requires no action. Is it valid? Is it untrue? Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Is it true? Then do something about it. We'll talk about that in a minute on how to respond. But if it's untrue, ignore it. Is it evil? Do not let let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who are, those who listen. Start to say, who are listening? Speak the truth. Make sure that the way you word it, if your nature is snark, I didn't say snork. If you're snarky, go to God. Ask for forgiveness. Learn how to express yourself in a kind way. Take the Shantifeld and kindness challenge. I recommend that. No one unhealth, no evil communication. Or is it just simply different? I like country western, you like pop. He likes heavy metal. He likes rap. By the way, if, if, you're, if you have strong feelings about styles of music, I would challenge you to prove to me that the Psalms were not rap. We don't know. Is it simply a matter of taste? It's not right and it's not wrong. It's just different. And over preferences, we don't fight. We acknowledge each other's taste and say, what does the Lord want? What best glorifies Him? It's not right or wrong, it's just different. Now, i got to get on with this. The A is appreciate their willingness to share. 
Let me tell you a secret. You never say to the person who is angry with you, and you never say to the person who criticizes you, and you never say to your children when they are throwing a tantrum, you have no right to feel that way. You don't have a right to tell them that, even as a parent. You'll, you'll get a lot farther if you say, I understand that this frustrates you, but this is the way it has to be. Parents, are you listening? I understand that this frustrates you, and you don't understand, but I'm the parent. Yes, it's okay to say, I'm the parent, because they need one. They need discipline. You never say you have no right to say that. I understand you feel that way. It's better to say, thank you for sharing your thoughts, and I will consider what you say. And I'm serious about that. In accepting criticism, it's a gift you wouldn't give yourself, so you thank them for offering the criticism. Man, that'll turn it around. Realize the personal benefit. Joab said, go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be, this is supposed to be highlighted, I'm sorry. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth until now. It's dangerous to totally disregard all criticism. There is a benefit to it. Realize it is a gift and there may be a personal benefit for you. Accept that. By the way, look for the benefit also to the kingdom of God. Notice I've highlighted a different part of that verse. Not a man will be left with you by nightfall. What then happens to the kingdom? David's kingdom, God's kingdom. What happens when all the warriors flee because they feel underappreciated? By the way, that's a lesson for, about leading a church and understanding that service in a church is done by volunteers. And I hope as a volunteer, you know that we appreciate you. You are valuable. This ministry would not exist. This church would not exist without those disciples who have reached the point in their growth that they're willing to serve others. But it's voluntary service. What happens when they all flee and it's disastrous to the kingdom of God? The criticism that's coming to you, teacher, deacon, pastor, the criticism that's coming to you may be of benefit to the kingdom of God. And you need to hear it. Then, express appreciation. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to me. If you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male of Nabal would have been alive by daybreak. Biblical example of thanking someone to come on, on behalf of the leader to keep him from acting inappropriately. Okay, finally, they are. React appropriately. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. 
How do you react to the criticism? What do you do? Well, you react with humility and not anger. Remember those verses from James chapter 1? Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. If you immediately swell up to criticism and get angry about it and pout, where's the humility in that? And who are you honoring by that? Gary Thomas in the book, When to Walk Away, page 26, every Christian should be marked by humility and grace. It's possible that in my fallen state, what I see as hatred on their part is, in fact, a loving, truth-based rebuke given out of obedience to God, and I should welcome the correction. That's not easy, but it is absolutely necessary. I've already said, discard any lies. So what do I do? How do I react to the criticism? Discard any lies. Admit any element at all in the truth, in the criticism. If, even if there is only one element out of ten, the criticism included a paragraph of ten sentences, but there's one bit of truth you admit the truth. Don't deny everything. Admit that one part. You're right about that. And I apologize. Somebody, I was at a wedding and one of the maids of honor said about the bride, I've never seen her apologize to anyone except him. So I know he's the right one for her. Do you know how to say, I'm sorry? Let's just practice that a moment, okay? Will you, will you repeat with me? We're all going to say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Okay? One, two, three. I was wrong, I'm sorry. Not everybody did that, by the way. But... Don't waste the criticism. Don't waste it. Learn from it. And here's the biggest lesson of all. Do not let criticism embitter you and keep you from leading or serving. Far too many pastors have quit the ministry over criticism. Far too many missionaries have left the field over criticism. Far too many Sunday school teachers have quit teaching. Far too many volunteers in the church have quit serving because somebody criticized them. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? I'm not just talking about preaching. I'm talking about your service. What you're doing in the Lord's kingdom. What you're doing in this church. That has to be a priority and nobody but God should be able to keep you from doing that. I want us to stand for a moment. I believe in practical preaching and I believe in practical, practical application. So I'm going to ask you, bow your heads, close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to respond to the invitation in this way. 
How many of you would openly admit, well, not openly because nobody's looking but me, but how many of you would admit, I needed this lesson on how to accept criticism? God bless you. God bless you. I wonder this, too. Please, nobody looking. How many of you would say, I've done it wrongly. I've criticized in the wrong way, and I need to hear this so that I know how to lovingly criticize. Would you raise your hand? Amen. Almost as many. Would you then, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but would you then make a commitment to follow the biblical pattern of dealing with difficult people? This is an opportunity here at the end of the message. It's an opportunity to make a commitment to God. I will not quit. I will not quit attending. I will not quit serving. I will not quit just because somebody criticized. I will handle the criticism properly. I would ask you to make that commitment to God. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I would love the opportunity to tell you exactly what that means. The altar is open, but also you can see Todd or me in the lobby after the service. We'd be glad to take you to a private room and deal with you rather than in this public place. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to be baptized or to join the church, we want to hear from you. You can find us in the lobby. If there's something you just need for me to pray with you about, or Todd, we're available after the service in the lobby. Now look up here. May God bless you. I love my church. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that I love this building. It means I love you. Every single one of you are very special to me. I love my church. And I know something. This church would not be here today if God did not love this church. God loves you. And I do too. God bless you.